Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Welcome back to the mother-daughter journey. Welcome back, everybody. So last week, we started a conversation that, in case you didn't hear me last time, definitely needs to be talked about. Yes. <laughs> um, and we, we just kind of put it out there, our own experiences with mental illness. And we wanted to kind of continue that conversation today, right, K-Dog? We did. Honestly, last episode kind of felt very chaotic for me. I don't know about you, Doodle, but it felt chaotic and like it was a hard episode. Like even when we were editing it and, you know, writing up the show notes, we actually dropped it a day late because we were both a little resistant. We were a little resistant. And I think the resistance was just, it's very personal. Right. Right. It was, it was super vulnerable. Super vulnerable. And it's the same resistance that, everyone feels I think when it comes to talking about it is we're saying hey we need to talk about it but that doesn't mean it's easy because there's still this stigma and this I mean even in our own minds when we say stigma it's not even we're not just talking about the stigma out there in the world that we need to change you know we have it too like this is our story these are our troubles this is like this isn't our best foot forward and we're throwing it out there into the world and so that was a hard conversation for that episode and it kind of felt to me like we were all over the map even though I think we got out what we needed to get out in that conversation I think so part of the problem too is just that it's such a large conversation which is why we're going to continue it today that it felt so scattered because there were only pieces of it out there right so now that we got it out there and really bits and pieces of it there's Mm -hmm. still more to that story but We thought we'd talk about things like medication and more relationship stuff and more responsibility. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But let's so let's just continue to talk about our journey and hope that that helps mothers and daughters out there. Right. Today is going to be a little bit more about the actual pathways and the materials and the... Well, you I said the right word. You said <laughs> I kind of interviewed you a little bit in the last episode, and we talked about do we think we're over the hurdle? And you kind of laughed at that, like, no, you're never over the hurdle. No, right? right? There's always hurdles. That's the whole point of racing hurdles. There's more than one, right? But that you were more equipped. That we were more equipped. And so, what have we done from the start till now that makes us more equipped? And Thank what have you. we learned along the way? And we still have more to learn, I'm sure as we face those hurdles, but why are we more equipped now? Right. Okay. So why are we more equipped now? Well, I mean, for me, there's a whole array of reasons. And you mentioned one of them, medication for sure has helped. Therapy. Obviously, if I'm taking medication, I see a med prescriber and a psychiatrist to help manage the medication. I've been in cognitive behavioral therapy groups individual therapy week to two week long like all day multiple therapy session experiences so there's a a lot there's a lot there's a lot out there and 
it's not just that too. It's also the personal work, right? The things that you learn that work for you to be able to step away. What calms you when you're having episodes or recognizing that an episode is about to happen? It's like learning the illness, learning your triggers and not shying away from looking at it. Right. right? You need to really let yourself experience them so that you can later on recognize them and that's how you become better equipped to manage it moving forward. Right. So let's, I'm going to talk. Which sounds awful and shitty. And you know, it is. (laughs) There's no way around (laughs) that. It is. But you also learn a lot of things along the way and you have, I mean, I'm just say it. Some of the things are fun, right? Some of the things that we learned about managing our triggers are pastimes that are relaxing and, and fun and that we do together. She's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Yeah. So when we're in the midst of struggle or we're in the midst of what I'd like to call a shitstorm, storm, <laughs> <laughs> no better okay. word, you know, one of the things that we need to do is kind of give ourselves a little grace and be like, okay, we're not our best selves right now. So to push ourselves to say, we're going to get up and do the nine to five grind I'm not saying that you don't have work to do, but you need to find little pockets throughout the day to pull yourself back, right? So for us, it's like jigsaw puzzles or coloring or a favorite movie or, you know, my husband calls vit- calls one of the things vitamin D time, like go sit outside in the backyard uh, okay, for 15 okay. minutes. So I see where you're going now. And I call that over the years, we've learned how to get back in touch with our inner child. There you go. There you go. Right? Those those are the things that, okay, those are the things that calm us. Those are the things that bring us joy and peace and where we can just be with ourselves and enjoy life, right? And right. Okay. And so when I say fun, that's what I'm talking about. I see now. And also, you know, some of those harder times that weren't so fun are part of what brought us so close. They definitely are. Like we have memories of in our hardest struggles of just snuggling on the couch under Rapunzel blankets mm-hmm. and, you know. With the puppies watching Lord of the Rings. Right. The whole, whole dang trilogy. Just, you know, so there are, if you look back at it, there are special moments and, and good things amongst the struggle mm-hmm. is all I'm trying oh, to yeah, say. Oh, yeah, like the time we binged Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Yes, that was during a, that was during a particularly difficult time for you. And it was. You were yeah. So that's all I'm saying. There are positives. You got to try to find as difficult as it may be, the positives amongst the struggle and hold on to those. Right. So, I guess this is a good time then to bring up part of why we were able to get so much closer to, and part of what makes us more equipped to handle things moving forward is. We spent a lot of time, the two of us, practicing how to speak with each other openly and honestly about our feelings, right? So not just me to you. That's how it started right? with everything that went down, right? Because that, that was the triggering point for this whole journey was my, my mental illness and my struggle. Nope, we don't like that word. Never mind. Ignore <laughs> that. My mental illness. And... So it was a lot of focus on on me and how do you feel. And so I had to learn how to express myself, which was something I had never done. I was always a 
I'm going to hide it and bury it. Right. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And that was your track for quite a few years. Right. You had the first initial like really huge break, I'll call it. Mm -hmm. And then we were both of the mindset of, oh, we'll just get through this. We'll fix this. It'll get fixed. Right. Right. And then you started to feel better. And you were like, okay, it's it's fixed. It's over. It wasn't. And it wasn't. You just, we all, both of us, everybody in the family really just went back to, okay, life as it was before, mm-hmm. which there's a saying out there that says, you know, you can't hail in the environment that you broke in, right? So to go back yeah. and just life, just keep pushing, just keep that busyness, just, okay, now you're going to go to college and you're going to be... At the time, you wanted to be a physical therapist, and you're going to live away from home, and I can handle it. I can handle mm-hmm. it. And I don't want mom to know that. I don't want it. I didn't want anybody to know. But I, yes, because then it's like, okay, they're going to look at me in that way again. And you hadn't really learned to love all your pieces. And so you didn't want to look at those parts of you. So you definitely no. didn't want anybody else to. No. Yeah. So the first go around was definitely just learning how to survive. Yes. Right. And learning learning how to figure out what my emotions were so that I could communicate them because I had always like I said shoved them down and put on a mask and just pretended I was fine and I never looked at them and especially it wasn't just what you were just saying K-Dog about me not wanting everybody around me to see how much I was struggling it especially applied to you because I knew again that my suffering or my struggle, I don't know what the right right word is. But Your mother feels every heartache that you do. I, I knew that you felt it more than anybody else around me, if if you knew. So, yeah. So that... So mother-daughter relationship, you know. Yeah. It, can make it harder to open up because you know how much you affect the other person. So one of the words that you always used to use was burden. I'm sorry I'm such a burden mm-hmm. is something that you used to say to me. I did. And I would routinely say, you're not a burden, right? I didn't want her to feel that she was. I didn't want that extra weight of everything that's going on because honestly, she didn't love herself already, right? She still was looking at herself like there's something wrong with me. I, I'm never going to be okay. I'm never going to be normal. I'm always going to be a burden. Mm-hmm. And so I also hid my struggle from her because I was trying to alleviate all of her stress, right? Like if I can just help her get through this and fix this, then I can deal with it myself later and not talk about the impact that all of this had on me. And the result of that, folks, was a nervous breakdown. (laughs) Like I almost had, like I literally had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I'm like, it's not almost, you did. So you know, she starts to get better and I start to see a little bit of breathing room, but because I wasn't taking care of myself and I wasn't talking about any of how it was actually impacting me and I was kind of taking all of the words from the family on my back, I was trying to hide that from my husband. Like he just was the rock going back and forth to work and, you know, mm. making the money and I was working too. Give but me daddy hugs when I needed them. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so I wasn't really concentrating on my needs at all. I was only concentrating on her needs. And I was filtering everybody else's, well, this is impacting me this way 
through myself. So I was getting hit from all directions. It felt like. And, And then, you know, the crash and burn came. And so I ended up in the same boat, kind of. I mean, not the same boat because nobody's journey is the same. But I ended up, you know, on my own line of medication and trying to figure it out. The term that we've come to use is dis-ease. Yes. So that's and that's pretty much what happened to you. It, It expressed itself physically. Physically, yes. It was it was disease. Your disease did become disease. It did. I eventually got to the point of where I couldn't leave the house really for long periods of time because I was always ill. Mm-hmm. Like I had digestive issues. My stress man- manifested in digestive issues. And it came time where I had to learn how to take care of myself in the process of trying to help her take care of herself and so so it it shifted right from two of us working as hard as we possibly could on uh, focusing on just my well-being right because that that was all I could think about at the time Mm -hmm. and obviously that was all you could think about at the time yep and it it shifted to both of us focusing on each other's well-being as well as our own And honestly, I will say that that is when the, still a long road, but that's when the shift started to happen. That is when. That's when the real, I think, I'm not going to say the real growth because there were moments of growth and, you know, the entire time. Yes. But that's when, oh God, what is the word? I guess shift would be the word. Yeah, shift would be the word where things, where we really started to see the light at the end of the tunnel even though the end of the tunnel like life is if you're going to look at it metaphorically I guess Mm. life is a tunnel for us and there's a light at the end of it and we're always working towards it but up until that point where I admitted to my to my husband and you know and to Abigail just how broken I felt we didn't really see a light at the end of the tunnel But once we started the journey together, you know, we recognize that it isn't me trying to hold you up, that I also have to hold myself up while we go through this. And it wasn't all just concentrated on you. You were able to then let go of the, I'm such a burden, and this is something we're in together. Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted for just a moment because... Your whole light at the end of the tunnel thing made me think of a quote from one of my favorite shows ever, Avatar, The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm trying to find it. <laughs> and and here we go with the anime. <laughs> hey, technically not anime. Okay. <laughs> so while she looks for that, I'm going to start the conversation around like seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist and medication because... That journey also has its like ups and downs, especially when you're at the peak of, say, a nervous breakdown or really in the height of needing somebody. Navigating that system and the things that we went through were a little challenging. So right out of the gates, the very first psychiatrist that we saw outside of the program, right, we sat in that waiting room for four hours, five hours. Oh, God, at least. And then when we got in there, we went through this whole host of questions to realize this is not a good fit. (laughs) 
It was not. It wasn't. It wasn't a good fit. And just wanted to put me through a bunch of tests. And I was like, I don't need that right now. But anyway, we were a little overwhelmed, right? But because we had no choice in the matter, because of how it came down, we, we had to find somebody. So I kept muscling through. But I can see how if you're navigating that on your own and you're in the height of really needing the assistance and that's your first experience, giving up is easy, right? Oh, gosh. It's just like, no, this is too hard. This is just how I'm going to have to live my life. I'm just a I'm just a whatever the word you used to use I'm just a freak I'm just you know there's just something wrong with me broken you know that you just would give up at that point and one of the things that we would like to say or share is just like you have a partner that you are married to or a best friend like you click with not everybody but a specific person it's the same when you're talking about psychiatrists and therapists Definitely. I mean, it took me upwards of five to six years to find the right therapist for me. And that's not to say that the ones that you saw before that didn't help. Oh, no, they definitely did. They definitely did. But once you found the right one, the one that you clicked with, the one that you could understand Mm -hmm. or that, you know, worked well with you and your personality, things started to move along quicker. Right. I'm actually going to use, because we are entrepreneurs, right? We're small business owners. That's like the world that we know. And so a good analogy for anybody else in that world is no like, and trust. You've probably heard that, right? People do business with people who you know, like, and trust. And so you you want to get to know your clients just as much as you want your clients to get to know you and some clients aren't going to be the right fit for you just because just because of who you are right and so finding a psychiatrist or a therapist is kind of the same thing it's a it's just a matter of finding the person who you vibe with the most who is at that moment able to help you in the way that you need to be helped right because also they all have their own experiences and specialties and yeah so definitely definitely don't give up and so when we're talking about you know the mother and daughter relationship portion of this just know that if you keep pushing through it and you you will find that person so yes it's difficult to navigate but the help is out there and you just need to be like persevere which isn't Again, easy if you're doing it alone, but we're not alone. We're talking about mothers and daughters here. So if you're the daughter that's working through it for your mom or you're the mom that's working through it for your daughter because at the beginning, that's how it starts. One person's doing the work. It's hard, but just know that there's somebody out there that will fit. Definitely. And you just need to keep switching around and not feel like you're failing because, oh, it's not working. because Or it's hopeless. Yeah, because it, it's... It's just, it's not that it's hopeless or you're failing. It's just that it wasn't a good fit. Right. And that's the same with medication too. It is the same with medication. Honestly. (laughs) At first, when, you know, we talked about in that first episode, when this first surfaced and we just wanted it to be safe, honestly, we allowed them to, I, what I call is drug her into submission. I mean, that's pretty much what it felt like. I was on almost immediately was put on an extremely high dosage 
for the SSRI I was given. And it only actually went up from there when I said I was still feeling you know, depressed and suicidal to the point where I felt nothing at all, which for a time was good, right? That was kind of what I I needed because <laughs> I was in a point where I was feeling too much. I didn't, I couldn't even navigate, right? It was right. just being. And I was the same way with like the nervous breakdown, right? I didn't, like, I just wanted to feel nothing at that point. And so, you know, go yeah. ahead. And for a little while that worked, like the stress was at such a level where my body was able to kind of get a little bit under control and the same for you allowed for a little bit of a reset it did and but after some time I'm an emotional person and I used to look at that as a weakness or part of what made it so difficult to exist with my OCD like I looked at me being an emotional person and an empath and having a mental disorder as like could it be any worse could these two things clash any worse so yeah I'm very Um, I'm a very emotional person and I thought that just exacerbated the illness I struggled with at the time right I I was just like really I have to I have to be this empath as well as have all this stuff going on in my brain and I can't distinguish what's mental disorder or what's my own feeling what's other people's feelings that I'm absorbing and so being numb was wonderful for a little bit until it wasn't Until I realized that I wasn't me at all. Like everything that made me me had been basically shut off. Dulled. Dulled. Drugged into submission. Drugged into submission. Right. And the same happened for me, you know, with the nervous breakdown. I literally couldn't function. Like people's emotions set me off into a, I'm not a tizzy. I obviously handled it. I shouldn't Mm. say obviously. I did handle it, but it manifested in physical illness. Right. So anytime voices got loud or somebody was sad or any kind of feeling other than like joy occurred around me, I got ill or had to leave the room. The only thing that really felt safe was to like, I used to describe it to my therapist, like I just need to be in a bubble. Right. And so the medication that numbed all of that was welcoming Mm -hmm. until the day I was sitting at my daughter's law school graduation and in my head I was so proud and I'm a person who would have been bawling like the tears would have been streaming down my face of pride and how much work she put in and like just how amazing she is like if you know my older daughter she's just amazing and no tears came I knew I was proud I knew in my head that I was like beyond thrilled for her but I didn't feel it and I was that's when I was like, okay, well, this is like, this is not a workable situation. And so I guess the, the warning to this story is you do need to be, when you're in the height of it to that extent, you do need to be drugged into submission a little bit so that you can... Yeah, to a degree. So that you can go through the, the treatments that you need to go through and get your mind work with yourself, right? And get your footing back a little bit, right? Because if you use the floundering in the water analogy, like, you know, treading water, barely able to survive, this medication lets you get to a point where you can get back to a level of water where you can get your footing, where you can actually stand in the water instead right. of feeling like you're drowning. It allows you to put your feet down and say oh there's ground underneath me okay but the mistake that we made (laughs) was I don't want this medication if this is what medication is going to do then I'm just going to I'm not going to be medicated medicated. and for Abigail that's not an option that did not turn out well because then I just ended up self-medicating way more than I should have to hide how I was feeling right so it was the combination of 
oh crap, I'm feeling shitty again. When I say shitty, I mean I was feeling depressed again. I was having some suicidal thoughts again. Like things weren't good. I was struggling to get out of bed. And this was while I was away at college. Wasn't going to classes and was hiding all of it from everybody around me and self-medicating. And that just ended up leading to, hey, guess what? Another breakdown. Woo. Yeah, it did. I mean, we ended up getting her home from school, getting her settled. We had moved in the process, so she wasn't going back to the house that we were in. It was a new location, which we thought would help, and it did to some extent. But that just resulted in her being home, and she was not in danger of hurting herself. But, I mean, you didn't speak for really over a month. I didn't, and that was the first time I experienced, well, not the first time, just to that degree, because when I was in high school, I would get up every morning and be sick to my stomach with anxiety but that was the first time I had experienced nausea like non never-ending nausea for weeks at a time like I lost that was the first time I lost weight due to just yeah yeah due to that (laughs) so basically what we're saying is we both fell victim maybe victim's not the right word but we went we were under the delusion that it was one or the other we either needed to be medicated into submission or we would just going to be emotional messes and now we'd ha- we're just going to have to figure out how to live that way right at separate times like this time when you got home from school I was fine but you like at separate times we both oh, went yeah. through this we just kept we just took turns basically is what happened is I would have mine you would have yours and I had mine and you had yours yeah it was a matter of um you know I'm going to be strong because I need to take care of her and now she's on a better path and I can crumble I can crumble a little bit and just hide it from everybody and so that's mistake number two is we didn't communicate it we thought we could handle it on our own we didn't want to have to ask for help we didn't want to feel like we were a burden we didn't want people to look at us and especially the second time around right I did not want to break that facade of I'm doing all right I didn't I didn't want to do that again and have the whole feel like a burden, right? That was that was tough. <laughs> so, as far as this kind of relationship goes, if this is something that your daughter's going through or your mother's going through, as difficult as it is, communication, just communication, communication. Yeah. Just as hard as it is, and it's not going to fix it by saying, "Hey, I'm struggling." That's not the fix. Or, "Hey, I'm feeling this way because you're doing such and such but to be able to say it to somebody just say it to somebody and if you're you know working on a mother-daughter relationship and you think that this is part of what's making your relationship so difficult or kind of surface level I know a lot of moms feel like oh it's like we're not yes I love her and yes she loves me but there's no depth there a good part of the reason is because you're hiding yourselves from each other because you don't want the other to see your flaws or what you're considering as a flaw right I mean, it goes back to that episode where we were talking about all of the things that make right. this relationship so complex. That's a big part of it is the daughter, as the daughter puts on this mask of, I want to be a good daughter. I want to make you proud. The mother, on the other hand, puts on the mask of, I'm a good mother. I'm going to raise you right. I know what I'm doing. Which I, know, I know what I'm doing. None of us do. Nobody does. And with this conversation, it's the same thing, but... But more critical. But more critical, right? On a much deeper level. We still have those thoughts of, I, I don't want to be a burden. I'm, you know, don't want her to see how much I'm struggling. I want her to be proud of me. And so we hide the most critical things that 
we need to be talking about and especially with each other because that's that's what this relationship is all about is being able to love and trust and and really know each other other. yeah know each other and be each other's support because there is no love like it oh but anyway except the love you have for your dog (laughs) i'm just kidding kind of so Medication. Not that we can advise you on that in any way, shape, or form, but I feel like it's the same kind of result as not every therapist is the right fit for you. Not every medication is the right fit for you at each stage in the game. Yes. And there may come a time, depending on where you are at in your journey, that you don't need medication. Some people may get to a point where they don't need that. Right. I'm not sure that'll be me. It might be, but. Well, depending on what mental disorder you're you're living with. Mm-hmm. I almost said struggling. I know. <laughs> I caught myself. Depending on what medical disorder you're living with, you may be somebody who does need to take medication for the rest of your life. And, that and that's is, okay. And that's okay. <laughs> because honestly, the diabetic needs to take their insulin shots for the rest mm-hmm. of their life. I don't have a thyroid. My thyroid got removed. I have to take Synthroid every day for the rest of my life. Somebody with high blood pressure needs to take medication every day. And they don't... Or high cholesterol. And I don't look at myself poorly because I need to take Synthroid every day. And it should be no different in my mind whether you have to take an SSRI or an antidepressant or something for bipolar or whatever you're struggling with at the time. Like if that's what you need to do to be productive and happy and healthy and be able to maintain good relationships, then then that's what you do. Right. Medication for the mind is not any worse or more evil or any of the negative things you may be thinking about it when you think oh my god I have to take medicine for the brain right it's just another medicine for your body and for your overall well-being and there's no one size fits all it's the same as your therapist like right keep persevering until you find what works for you just as we talk about the communication between mother and daughter but have that same open communication with the med manager Like, I don't like the way this feels. Don't let them, you know, kind of bully you into, well, I know that this works. Like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Right. And you move on to the next thing if you're at a point where where you're struggling. Yes. And and just for kind of points of reference, we're talking, you know, persevere, it'll, whatever, you got this. (laughs) So easy. It's, (laughs) it's really, it's difficult, guys. And it takes a while. I think I just, just this past year, got on the right medication and the right dosage and um this is probably my fourth or fifth different medication since this all started yes with bouts think, of you not taking it because you were like oh well this is just too this isn't gonna yeah this doesn't help and my third nope two three four fourth psychiatrist my sixth fifth or sixth therapist like I've finally found who and what works for me. And it's taken me about 10 years and anywhere between five to six different applications of, you know, trials, trial and error. So it's. And it's taken 10 years, but honestly, it probably could have taken five or six if we were working with the same mindset that we work with now, that this Mm -hmm. is who we are. We have to love all the bits and pieces of us, the good and the bad and the ugly. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Because the first, the first, yeah, three to five years we spent just trying to fix it and hide it and throw it under the rug and get back to normal. Right. Get back to normal. We 
part of it was part of it was you know family influence and Mm -hmm. part of it was there was nobody there telling us it's nothing to be ashamed of there was nobody there telling us keep pushing through you'll find the right therapist there was there was nobody there we you know who had been there who had been there for us there was nobody there that had been there good way to put it so yeah okay so now let's just march on to the next topic that I would like to talk about in this scenario that's carrying over from last week we talked about last week how your mental disorder my mental disorder it's nobody's responsibility other than our own like you need support for sure we needed Mm -hmm. to support each other and there was a time when you needed me to make all the phone calls and and all of that Mm -hmm. and there was a a time when no I made my own phone calls I was gonna say when you did it but no I had to do I did that I was like no I (laughs) I don't think I made your phone calls (laughs) but I'm saying you definitely supported me that you know you need as best I could (laughs) it's great if you have support but at the end of the day it's still your responsibility and we talked about how your mental disorders affect relationships and affect other people Mm -hmm. and so controlling your environment by controlling the people around you because that's what makes your mental disorder under control for you is not ideal, right? It is not. So there's the opposite side of this where we're like, don't hide it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And you should seek the help that you need and people should be patient while you're figuring it out. But then you need to still be working on it in that time when people are being patient and it's affecting them right so for you like you said it was almost 10 years and people in your life had various levels of patience right right and there were times when I had to have hard conversations with you with our relationship where it was like you're not being fair you're Mm -hmm. not being fair by not working on this like you're not being fair by not taking the medication because you are tired of trying you're not being fair not going there was a time where I was like I'm not going to therapy anymore it's stupid <laughs> like it's not I'm not it's not helping me because you didn't have the right fit and it, undoubtedly every one of those times it turned into more stress on me right right and not that I wouldn't do it I'd do it like I said till the end of my days but you weren't being fair and I told you that mm-hmm. that was part of our learning how to communicate to each other and me being able to not that I didn't worry how she was going to take what I was saying, but I had to draw the boundary of I need to say it. Right. I'm still going to be there to support her when she's not going to therapy, but I can't let her think that it's okay. And that it's not affecting you. And that it's not affecting me. Because it was. And that that's a workable situation because it's still your work to do. It Yeah, it was and is. Exactly. So when you're talking about your relationship with your mother or your daughter... Boundaries are something that needs to get drawn in this. Well, in all situations, in like all in relations, rela- like that's an episode we'll probably talk about next boundaries. But especially in this situation, compassionate, communicated boundaries are a necessity. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because for one, if you're not giving them, you're enabling the behavior to continue. So people pleasers, like you and I, were recovering people pleasers, but we were both people pleasers when a lot of this was happening, as a lot of this was happening. We tend to forget that boundaries even exist. We tend to let people walk on all over us, and we 
enable behavior that is negative and not healthy for the relationship. Yes. And so that was something we definitely both had to recognize throughout this process. And this was just, this was a good example of probably the first example of us setting boundaries with each other when it came to you were setting the boundary with me really but when it came to this when it came to navigating this shit storm yes the mental disorder part of our relationship specifically right and boundaries are you needed in all relationships but we're talking specifically about mothers and daughters who are dealing with this particular element in their relationship and that boundaries are twofold because as you got healthier in this journey, I had to learn how to relinquish the worry, right? I had to learn how to relinquish the codependency, really, like needing to know all the things that you were doing all the time, me having to kind of, there was a time when I knew you, I still do know you, but in this journey, there became a time where I could see your valleys before you knew they were coming. Right. Right. Because I was so in tune to what was happening to you. Oh, and you had been spending all of that time before as an observer. Right. But that also hurt our relationship and hurt her growth and progress Mm -hmm. because she wasn't learning how to recognize her own triggers and her own limits. Well, besides that as well, right? So yes, there was that. I had to eventually draw the boundary of I need to, I need to do this myself, right? So it goes back to what I said kind of at the beginning of this episode where you need to sit in the shit to recognize what the shit is to learn how to navigate through it. And she wasn't allowing me to do that. No, because I was afraid. Because you were afraid. That you were going to hurt yourself in some way. What was going to happen. Yes. Right. Which totally valid yes right so but then there was also along that line eventually I had to set the boundary with you that yeah you know I can't make a promise to you mom that I'm gonna go visit my friend in New Hampshire and everything's gonna be fine but I still need to go visit her I still need to go do it so I can learn from myself where my limits are like you said and if I am feeling overwhelmed so I can learn for myself outside of our relationship how to navigate, how to right start to do that on my own. And then there was also, I needed to draw that boundary because it was also messing with my growth in the sense that by your constant, I, I'm not going to say over worrying because again, the level of, of worry and protectiveness was 100% valid. We, I needed to draw that line because it just kept making me say to myself, see, she can't think I can do it. She doesn't think I can do it. I can't do it. Right. I'm never going to get better. She doesn't think I'm ever going to get better. Even though I was telling you, I believed in you 100% and I did. But that wasn't the message I was sending with my overprotectiveness. Or codependency. Yes. So my need to protect her, my need to take care of her, my need to try to make her provide her happiness Mm -hmm. was actually hindering the progress that she could make. It It was stunting it to a certain point. And it was stunting my own progress too because I was spending so much time on me on you that I wasn't really spending any on me right or my or my other relationships yeah you were spending all your time teaching me and telling me to learn how to love me and you know to to, to do all of this stuff while avoiding your own stuff while avoiding doing all of that stuff yeah so there was another whole relationship that I was just allowing and not drawing boundaries in well actually there were many Mm-hmm. Because I was getting a lot of things from exterior family members, not exterior family members, but external. other f- external, like out of our core family, yeah. that had a lot of things to say. And I was filtering it all because I wanted you 
to just be okay. And so I was taking in all of their opinions and all of their statements and internalizing them and, and shielding you from them. And consequently, neither one of us would, were drawing the boundaries that we needed to in order to get better. Right. So once you were able to communicate with me, hey, yeah, I might fall down, which every kid does, but you got to let me fall so I can figure out how to get back up. We were kind of stunted in that, that next step of growth and the next step of honoring the mental disorder and learning mm-hmm. how to live with it. And so that conversation had to happen because it was ultimately, at the end of the day, her responsibility to figure out how to live with it. Right. And so there was a time in this journey where I needed to protect her and I needed to hold her up. But it took me longer out of fear to recognize when it was time to step back, which is something that all mothers need to learn how to do, period, whether there's a mental disorder or not. And it's a difficult thing to do, but necessary. But necessary. Wow. Yeah, I think... I think we can kind of I'm flip like, it wait, there, right? Is there anything else I wanted to say? Actually, and I'm sure is, I'll come up with something. There is one other thing that I want to say, because we talk about this being your own journey and your own work mm-hmm. and how it's not fair. We had this conversation about how it's not fair for you to just say, well, this is who I am and this is what I need for my life and it doesn't matter how it impacts you. Correct. Yep. Right. And you may have a mother or a daughter who has a disorder that that's the line that they draw. Right. They draw that line where, well, I don't want to be on medication. I've got everything under control. You just need to act this way in order for me not to have take medication or in order for me not to have to see a therapist. Right. You need to not have boundaries. You need to let me control your interactions, whether it's fair or it's for not me fair to be healthy. for me to be healthy. And that's also not workable, right? So when we're talking about no, ma'am. boundaries and we're talking about owning your own mental disorder and doing your work, you may be in a relationship with a mother or a daughter where the other, the person that is suffering from that, not suffering, living with that mental disorder has decided how everybody around them is going to act in order for them to be able to live with it right? They're making their mental disorder everybody's responsibility and for in order for them to be okay, because they don't want to take the necessary steps or they don't feel they should have to. Because if you would just act a certain way, I wouldn't need to do that. And for me, that's not okay, right? That just means that now you're taking the responsibility for somebody else's well being and happiness. And that's not your responsibility. Only yours is your responsibility. So Boundaries and communication have to come into play again with that kind of relationship. And it might not be the outcome that you want it to be, right? The relationship might not get as deep or as close as you want it to be. But it will be better, in my personal opinion, if you learn how to draw those boundaries compassionately for yourself in this whole mental disorder arena I'm not Mm. like we have a whole nother boundaries conversation but in this arena for you to be able to healthy and thrive right so that you can show up as your best self in the world for all the people around you and not just that one person who's decided that their mental disorder is the job of everybody Mm -hmm. and so that's when you also have to start doing some of the hard growth work for yourself to say it's not my responsibility I'm gonna love what is I'm going to stop telling myself a story that you shouldn't be making your illness my responsibility so that I can enjoy the interactions that I have with you 
but I'm also not going to adjust my behavior. So I guess that's the last bit I wanted to say about that. All right. Well, in that case. She's giving me the eyeballs. Because I'm, I'm still like, wait, I feel like this this conversation could just go on forever and ever. Well, they all could. And they, so <laughs> I'm just like, wait, nothing else, right? There's nothing else. Which today, I don't think there is. I think we're going to wrap it up for today because we've held you here long enough and we look forward to talking to you next week. And thanks so much for listening. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media. But for the most fun, go find us on TikTok at The Mother Daughter Journey. See you next time.